0: Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. 3 o'clock hour, the Burns and Gambo Show here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Happy Tuesday to you. Might not be a super happy Tuesday to you, when we read to you some of the highlights of John Hollinger's Phoenix Suns preview from the Athletic website. Uh, a very good NBA writer, used to be in the front office of the Memphis Grizzlies for a number of years. I mean, heck, he basically created his own stat that a lot of NBA franchises use to help themselves evaluate players. Um, and I'll cut right to the chase. I mean, there's a lot of other stuff that we want to pass along with this son's preview that he wrote. But I think the line that stood out to Gambo and I the most and the one that we need to talk about is simply this. Quote, One can't help wondering, though, if we see the same pattern in faded colors this season. Were the last two years the peak? The Aiton and Crowder situations are an obvious drag, but the Suns' depth is also becoming a real problem. The Okogie, Lee, Landale, free agent Hall isn't exactly scaring the Warriors. Instead, the Suns are hoping for more of an internal improvement. And Gambo, it's that line, it's those seven words were the last two years, the peak that caught our, I it caught my attention. I read it sure. and I thought, oh god, are they? Were they? Was that? Was that the best? They're going to get during this year. It was just so odd, right, to go
1: from a a, a bad basketball team that went 8 0 in a bubble to the NBA Finals the next year. Like,. You know, you don't expect that. There was just it was this meteoric rise. It was this incredible rise right to the top, and then the next year, you know, all the wins and, and franchise record for most. What was it? Sixty-four wins in the season, I think. Yes, it was. And then you get bounced by the Dallas Mavericks before the Western Conference Finals. And you know, you, Chris Paul's age is really tied into this. It's really tied into it. They went all in and Durant this year, and I don't blame them. I mean, I would. Uh, I, I think they did the right thing by doing it. But have they peaked? I mean, it's. I, I don't look at the Phoenix Suns right now and think they're a better team than they were last year with the loss of Jay Crowder. We expected loss of Jay Crowder and JaVale McGee gone. And, I, uh, you know, I didn't I didn't love what they did in the offseason. I thought they got a bunch of insignificant pieces. I mean, Landale might be the best of the group, but, you know, none of, the, none of those are overwhelming moves that make you be like, it's not going to get Eric Gordon, you know? So... I, I think there's two windows like me and you always talk about. I still think they've got a window that's wide open to win a championship now. And depending on what they do with their draft picks and, and, and their salary, they I believe that they will have another window. But it's possible. It, it's possible that, look, peak is the NBA Finals and losing. I mean it's possible they go five more years and don't get back to the NBA Finals. It is that's that is that that's a possibility.
0: We can't ignore that. That's it's funny. I was listening to you and that's exactly what I was thinking about. I, I was thinking about okay, let's let's take this literally, right? And, and and so you're telling me they lost in the NBA finals two years ago, they won a franchise record and had the best record of the NBA by a mile a year ago. What's left? I mean what 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 else what 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 mountaintop is left for them to get to the top of other than winning a championship? And the, the honest answer, there's nothing left. There, There's nothing else. There, there's winning a championship, and that's it. That's it. There's, yeah. there's nothing. There's no other mountain for this team to climb than winning an NBA championship. Do I think this roster, the way it's constructed right now today, is going to win a championship in 2023? I do not. I do not. So if the question is... Have they peaked in the context of what they have right now? Yeah, I think they've peaked. I I, I think they've taken this as far as this can go with what they have on the roster right now. They go out and they add somebody at the deadline or before the deadline. They go out and get another piece. Then I reserve the right to reassess that because I'm just judging on what I see in front of me. I just don't see a team that is capable of doing more than the other great things they've done these last couple of years. And I guess that is the very literal definition of peaking, right? Do you remember the Nets teams that went to
1: the finals two years in a row in in the early 2000s with J-Kid? Yes, I do. Like that, Because when you think about NBA finals and you think about teams, like the Spurs had a dynasty. The Lakers had a dynasty. Like the Heat had their mini mini dynasty. It's just you don't expect a team to just, you know, rise to the top and then and then fall off but the nets to me would be like the closest example they made the finals 2 years in a row and then you know right after that that next year they went 26 and 56 and then 31 and 51 and then you know they went from Byron Scott to Casey to Calipari to Butch Beard and like it just it kind of went south on them in a hurry. Now a couple of years before they were in the finals, they had forty-two and forty, forty-one and forty-one. They had some you know average teams, and then they had that unbelievable run for a couple of years, got to the finals, and then that was it. That was their peak, and then they dropped back down to being irrelevant. I don't think the Suns will drop back down to being irrelevant. No, no. But the question is that they reach their peak and I mean I can't, I mean no one he, no one listening right now can assure us that the Phoenix Suns are going
0: to get back to the NBA Finals and if they don't, well then the peak was last year against Milwaukee. Yeah and, and it, understand that doesn't mean that you and I are both saying they're not going to be a good basketball team this year. I think they're going to be a good basketball team this year. Eh? It's still one of the top rosters in the NBA. It, it's just the, the question specifically though is have they peaked? Uh, now again this can all change and that's something that Hollinger writes about in the story in which he says, You know, are are the Suns going to make a move to max out this roster? And he says, In fairness, you got to point out the Kevin Durant thing and that they tried and that they waited and that they were in on that and they were trying to do that kind of all in move. And you got to have to kind of point that out. Um, and the biggest weakness he points out is one that you and I've been talking about, it feels like for a long time now, and that's the bench. That it's just not it's just not good enough. They've lost so much of their depth with McGee leaving and with Cam Johnson being rightfully promoted to the starting job, with Jay Crowder wanting out. They suddenly look They they just don't look like they have enough in that second unit, and that was one of their great strengths. But as he points out in the piece, and as I would like to point out to everybody listening to us right now, they go out and they get aggressive at the deadline or in the month leading up to the deadline, and there's a player available that they can spend some assets on to be able to go make themselves great now uh, or better now, then I think we should reserve the right to change our minds about the Suns and whether they've reached their peak. I just don't know what that move is going to be. Or
1: there's another way to look at this, and he kind of brought this up, Hollinger, in the piece. Can they count on internal improvements? Or that. Okay, let's talk about this for a second. Yes. Okay, Devin, Devin Booker, we kind of know what you're going to get from Book. You kind of know what you're going to get from Paul. Mikhail Bridges has some upside. Got a little bit of upside, especially on the offensive end, but he's great on a defensive end. Cam Johnson is a starter, has a little bit of upside for sure. He can get better. DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton could be... You know, a real wild card here, because I think there's so much more that he can do that we haven't seen yet. And if he gets there, maybe that's the internal improvement that overcomes the loss of some of the guys that they've lost.
0: I wouldn't disagree with that. It's just a question of, do I want to believe in that enough to be able to say the Suns haven't peaked? And I'm just not there. You're not going to you're not going to take that to the bank no. Uh, yeah, no. I, I it, it's no. just that's one of those look, DeAndre's been good. And DeAndre's been really good. DeAndre earned every single penny of that extension and you and I were two guys who were all for giving DeAndre Eaton the actual max a year ago. So there's a belief in DeAndre Eaton, but is it strong enough to say that he's going to take such a big leap that that's how the Suns are going to be better this year? I need to see that before I'm ready to commit to that concept. You know, I, I need to give me give me a couple of months of that concept playing out in front of my eyes before I say, you know what? The Suns haven't peaked, and that dude is the reason why, because that dude is a different dude, and he's playing at a different level, and he's doing different dude kind of things out there. I got to see that before I'm willing to say that's for sure what's going to happen, and that's how the Suns are going to be better this year. I just can't commit to that without seeing it. There. are. Fair. It was an
1: interesting piece. The The vibe, you know, the vibe is, uh, and that seems to be the key word with the Phoenix Suns, right? The vibe. The, vibe. the yes. vibe's not good. The vibe's not good. The vibe's not good. What's wrong with the Suns? The vibe. Uh, it, it, that's what you, I mean, how many times have we heard that? The vibe, there's something off with the Phoenix Suns. Well, it's up to them to, uh, to, to get past that. I think that they will. I really do. I don't think it'll be the vibe that kills the Phoenix Suns. It could be the bench or something else, but I don't think it's going to be the
0: vibe. When we come back, could the guy that makes the biggest difference on Sunday be the guy that everybody wrote off at the beginning of the season? Maybe. Next, Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo two till six on Arizona Sports.
2: But on offense, Geno Smith's been amazing. Like,
0: (laughs) you guys probably aren't watching every game all the way through. It's not a mirage. Right. This guy's on point.
1: The offense is... Expanded the first two games they went real conservative
2: like they didn't know this was going to
1: happen they were <laughs> they were taking the ball out of Gino's hands and like just don't lose the game
0: right. don't lose the game Gino oh my gosh I think they really thought Drew Locke was going to be the starter of the year
1: <laughs> okay after two games they're like geez. We gotta let
0: Geno cook. <laughs> Mike Sando with Bickley and Murata this morning, Campbell. Yeah, this might be in the history of this rivalry between these two teams, this might be the weirdest edition of Seahawks Cardinals we've ever experienced. The defense is trash up trash. there. The Cardinals offense might get fat this week because that defense is so bad. And Geno Smith is no lie. Across the board, statistically, one of the best quarterbacks of the National Football League. What in the hell is going on around here with this rivalry? I don't get I don't it. don't know. I mean, you could say seeing is believing because Geno
1: Smith is out there, like, leading the NFL in like or, or top five in the NFL, like, all these offensive categories, like, nine touchdowns, two interceptions, his, his, his quarterback rating is, like, 113.1, his completion percentage is over 75, you're like, what? Well, you're Geno Smith. Don't you realize who you are? Like you're Geno Smith. The Jets cut you. The Giants cut you. The Chargers cut you. The, like you're a backup quarterback. Like I'm trying to rack my brain. Has there ever been like a you know this a guy come out of nowhere at 32 years old and just decide, hey, you know what? I decided. I, I figure after being in the league for like nine years, I'm going to actually start to be a really good player. Like, does that ever happen before?
0: Is this Josh Hamilton? Is that the comp? I mean, is that the baseball player? Yeah, the baseball player. Is is that is that the comp? I mean, is is he is he gonna be? I mean, remember his, his career was done, over, washed up, finished. He was. Yeah, but, but, why would, but his career was washed up because of other reasons. I, I know. because And I, that's probably not fair to compare those two in that regard. I'm, I'm not talking about the drugs and everything like that. I, I'm, I'm talking about just from a performance standpoint, it was sort of like, yeah, this, this Josh Hamilton story, it's nice and all, but eventually he'll figure out that he's Josh Hamilton and he's not this guy. Right. And, right. It, and it didn't happen. And so I'm not trying to say Geno Smith was doing the things Josh Hamilton was. I'm just talking about a strictly performance-based thing. But no, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't happen very. Often. I mean, to the point where they're stuck in Seattle like, yeah, they don't need C.J. Stroud. They don't need Bryce Young. They're, they're fine. They're good. They're great at the quarterback spot. They're, they're, they're not what
1: Richard Sherman said.
0: No, what did Richard Sherman say? Oh, Richard Sherman was like all over it.
1: He's like, you got, you have to keep Geno. He's tweeting it out. He's showing pictures of Geno playing, and mm. yeah, Richard Sherman was all all about. Took to Twitter, expressed his support for the Seahawks quarterback. Um, he said, Geno Smith, he is balling. And then somebody said, you know, was he ever really there to come back? He said, yes, and yes, Seattle will have to keep him. He is perfect for them right now. He's saying that they've got to keep him. That they got to keep. Gino. and I think they can keep Gino but I'm still drafting a quarterback if I have a, if I have a chance to draft a quarterback then I'm gonna draft one if I'm Seattle here's the reality Gino Smith is 32 years old he's never done anything like this before in his life are you is is it real or is it memorex like what <laughs> you know what are you really seeing here
0: is it is it real is it real and can it last? I, I, I'm skeptical. I, I I don't think it's going to be this good all year long. But then I didn't think Seattle was going to be good at all this year. So the longer he continues to do it, the more I think you're forced to believe in it. And then on the other side of the equation, I mean, here's Seattle's offense. Now, granted, Seattle's offense might take a little bit of a hit. Rashad Penny, his season is done with a, a horrible, horrible leg injury. I guess he had Big surgery loss. today. Big loss for them. They now turn to Kenneth Walker or the third to be their main running back. They liked him. They drafted him, I think, 41st overall. He's got real breakaway stuff. He he gets the gig now. He's the main guy at running back. And, of course, that's the kind of the offense that Pete wants. You know, he wants more of the ground game-based offense. So we'll see how they deal without Rashad Penny. The weird thing is that their defense has just been their last in yards allowed. They've only got eight sacks this season, uh, even though that's better than the Cardinals. Their rushing yards allowed. Their last. In the NFL, they are so bad defensively, they re signed Bruce Irvin to their practice squad today. Yes, that Bruce Irvin, (laughs) the one they drafted back in 2012, who's 34 years old, hasn't had a sack since 2019. They re signed him to the practice squad about an hour ago. That's how bad their defense has been up there to the point where, man, if you're going to have one game to get right offensively, if you're the Cardinals before you get D hop back, it's weird to say that a trip to Seattle is that game. But it looks like it could be that game for the It has to be that game.
1: Look, it has to be this game. That defense is garbage. Like if you can't like put it all together against this defense, you're not going to do it against anybody. Like I, 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 I mean, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm in the have to, Bernie. You have to come out and and have your way with the Seattle defense. It's garbage. It's terrible. They're really, really bad. So, like, I, you know. They've allowed 84 points in their last two games. That's the most in a two-game span since 1983. Okay? Since 1983. (laughs) That's bad. That's so bad. They've given up 84 points in their last two games. That hasn't happened since 1983. Man, I was like a junior in high school. Like, come on. (laughs) Like, their defense is so bad. Look, the Saints were without their starting quarterback. They were without their number one wide receiver. Um, Alave missed most of the second half, and they still, still torched them. Yeah. Like, you, like, you, if you don't, know, well, if, if we come in here on Monday and the Cardinals scored 21 points against Seattle, we're in some trouble. Yeah, and the week before, we're remember,
0: they were playing Detroit, and they were w- without Amon Ross St. Brown. They were without right. DeAndre Swift. They right. were out. And, and one of the authors from Seattle, one of their beat writers, we're going to have him on the show tomorrow, points out that, man, part of the problems with his defense, it's been one guy every week who's just killed him. It was Cordell Patterson with Atlanta in Week 3. It was TJ Hawkinson in Week 4 who had a career day. It was Taysom Hill this last week for the Saints that just gashed Seattle's defense. Second-worst scoring defense in the league. They're giving up explosive plays, to borrow a Gambo phrase, like it's going out of style. They can't get off the field. I mean, their defensive players are like, man, we've got to get the bleep off the field. We just we can't keep having penalties that extend drives and shoot ourselves in the foot. Yeah, this is, if the Cardinals aren't going to have a big offensive game this week, you, you can, it's fair to wonder if they're ever going to have one. For sure. For sure. When we come back, ASU football got a big boost after their starting quarterback went down, and the guy who helped lead the comeback joins us next. Quarterback Trenton Bourget coming up on the Burns and Gambo Show.
2: Burns and Gambo. Afternoons
0: 2 till 6 on the Arizona Sports app. Welcome you back here on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. Of course, on Saturday, the first win in the Sean Aguano era and a ranked one at that. ASU beats 21st ranked Washington 45 38. And uh, handpicked one guy from that game we want to talk to, and we're talking to him right now. Quarterback Trenton Bourget joining us here on the Burns and Gambo show after he comes in off the bench and leads the team to the victory. Trenton, I'm Dave. This is Gambo. Welcome to the show. We appreciate your time on this Tuesday. Thank Thank you.
2: Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me.
0: Trent, an incredible story, incredible game.
1: So happy for the team to get that signature win that, that you guys needed so badly. But I want to first ask you, how did do, how does a walk on from Tucson that, that set all the Southern Arizona records as a prep, how, how do you end up at ASU? You
2: know, I think it, uh, it's just God's plan. You know, I was, uh, I, I'm from Miranda, which is uh, in Tucson. And I, uh, Ended up graduating. I had no Division one offers, and you know I was thinking about maybe walking on at some other schools or maybe uh, you know going to Juco route, maybe going to California. I had some small D two offers, uh, but you know I, I just bet on myself, and I thought that you know I could you know end up somewhere walking on and just doing it the hard way. And luckily, I had a I got a call from ASU to come visit and uh, walk on here. And you know it's been a, it's been a true pleasure to to be on the team, and it's crazy the last four years how it's been, but uh, it's it's been a pleasure.
1: No, it's, it's an insp- it's inspiration because so many kids, they quit after a year or two if they're not going to start and they're not going to play. And you you toughed it out. You ended up with get, you know, getting a scholarship after the COVID year of 2020. At any point during these four years that you've been sitting here uh, going from a fifth screen walk-, walk on to a guy that just led them to a huge victory over Washington. At any point, did you think about leaving the program and going somewhere where you'd have a chance to play?
2: I don't think so. You know, I, I knew what I was capable of doing, and I saw the direction of what this program was going. And, you know, we're in one of the best states in America with just the weather and the climate and stuff like that. So I thought, you know, once I get my opportunity, I needed to just do what I can. And, you know, it's crazy because, you know, my freshman year, like you said, you know, I was a fifth string and being the walk-on. And by the end of the year, I was the backup going into the bowl game. So, you know, I just made sure to continue to to keep the same – Uh, headspace and just, you know, prepare um, physically and emotionally each day and just be ready when my name is called, and luckily, you know, something happened on Saturday where I got the opportunity to play, and and I just did what I could do, and it it was a super fun experience with all my teammates.
0: And I want to ask you about that experience in just a moment, because it was obviously thrilling for Sun Devil fans everywhere, But, but as far as it relates to the last couple of years, take us inside the locker room and inside your head how you just answered the question that Gambo asked about you never really considered leaving or anything like that. How difficult has it been for you and the other players in that room to write out everything that has happened over the last 16 months?
2: Yeah, you know, it, it, there's been a lot of stuff that's, you know, have occurred, uh, you know, coaching, uh, coaching changes and people entering the transfer portal and, you know, having COVID and that, I mean, that, I mean, it's been a crazy uh, last couple of 16 months, like you said, but I just think everybody, you know, uh, came together and, you know, we're, we're a family, we really are, you know, and, you know, we've had team activities outside of football, which I think has you know, a lot of us have more chemistry with one another. And, you know, at my household, you know, I have four four teammates that live with me. And, you know, so my place, you know, we always have people come over, watch an NFL, NBA game. So I think it was just time for us to, you know, just come together. And, you know, with Coach Herm leaving, you know, it was tough most definitely. But I think, you know, everybody got behind Coach Aguano and saw his vision and the energy he brought in. And, you know, the last couple of weeks, I think, you know, we've got we've improved each week and uh this last week we were able to you know finish with the win and hopefully we can continue to do that the next couple weeks.
0: Trent Bourget, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show, ASU quarterback who came in to lead the Sun Devils to a win over 21st ranked Washington on Saturday. 8.49 to go in the second quarter of the game. Emory Jones leaves and at that point you're called upon to replace him. In that moment in time what's going through your head? Are you calm? You looked calm. You looked cool. You looked like you prepared your whole life for this. Was that the state of your brain at that moment, Trent? Or was, were things Things a little
2: more chaotic. Yeah, you know. So I was, I'm on the headset every every game, you know, listening to the to Coach Thomas and the coaches, you know, calling the play. So I'm locked in during the game. And as soon as I saw him run and slide, you know, I always kind of not get nervous, but you know, I'm aware of him running. And you know, the same thing when it was Jaden. You know, I'm aware of what's happening. And when I saw him, you know, stay down for you know a couple more seconds than he usually does, I just ran straight to get my helmet on and you know put it on and got some snaps. And I think I threw about four or five times and. You know it was it was a great first play to to go in and be able to hand the ball off, and we scored just like that just to you know get some rhythm you know just to feel the game and you know that next drive, I think we had like a ninety yard drive or something like that that you know ended up in a in a touchdown, so it was you know just just taking what the defense gave me and just trusting my teammates and coaches and you know this is what I prepared for you know the last four or five years and really my whole life this is what I've been waiting for, and just made sure to make the most of the opportunity and, and to help the team win and you know it was it was like i said it was, it was an amazing amazing day for sure.
1: Yeah, that next drive, you, you hit Badger on a third and seven for 20. Then you got hit on the touchdown pass to validate a blitz. You got hit on that. I could go over yes, so sir. many big plays that you made, but I want to go to the final drive because I thought you really, really shined. They they score. They tie it up at 38 on the touchdown to Davis. You guys get the ball back at your 18-yard line, and you're facing the third and 10 early. I thought you made a really good pass to Conyers for 14 yards, and then I loved the pass. Down the sideline, a big play to Thompson, for 32. You end up scoring with the touchdown to Badger when he beat Banks. That drive was sensational. What was it like for you? Because I thought it was like you had ice in your veins on some of those third down plays.
2: Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. You know, I think it's just, you know, over the years of my life, you know, I've been able to play in some big games against some big teams and really big players. So, you know, really the stage has, you know, just been waiting to get set for me to play. But, you know, I just made sure to. You know, not, not overthink it, you know, take what the defense gives me. And, you know, that first third down, Jalen made a great catch. You know, I, I, I kind of put it low just to make sure that it's either he's catching it or nobody's catching it, you know. Right. Um, he made a great play like he's been doing all season long. And then that next one, you know, uh, we've been working on that play. And Brian Thompson is somebody that has, you know, a lot of speed and has great uh, catching ability. So, you know, once I saw him get by the DB, I just made sure to, to give him a chance and he did the rest. And then, like you said, you know, Elijah Badger is a special uh, special athlete for sure and, I knew he was going to you know, beat that one-on-one coverage. And, you know, he ended up uh, winning, and I was able to toss him a touchdown to, to win the game.
0: Trenton Bourget, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show, quarterback for ASU who led the Sun Devils to a win over Washington. It's a bye week coming up for you guys, some, uh, some much-needed time off, I'm sure. Um, what have they told you about what's next? What do you know about what happens next now for the next game you guys have in a week and a half?
2: You know, I think as a team, you know, we, we we celebrated that win against Washington on Saturday and came in on Sunday to watch film and, you know, fix our mistakes and see what we did right and did wrong as well, and, you know, we're going to take advantage of this bye week, you know, allow our bodies to rest, but also take advantage of it and get a step ahead of the game uh, for Stanford, you know, get some practices in and watch, start watching film like that, and start preparing um uh, you know a week ahead you know they play a really good notre dame team on saturday so we'll be able to watch that and to see how their scheme is like that but i think we're just gonna you know uh, it was fun to beat washington but it's time to move on and, and start getting ready for stanford what have you been told
1: about your role for that next game against stanford
2: you know i, I i'm gonna keep uh, preparing the, the way i have whether i'm starting or on the second string third string so you know that's that's up to the coaches to make a decision, but I'm going to worry about myself and just help uh, help the team in any way I can, and, and I'll be ready whether I start or I'm the backup or whatever. I'll be ready. Yeah, I would
1: imagine you know with the way you played. I mean, obviously, you know you're you're going to, to want to start. What what have you been told? I mean, from what we've heard from Coach Iguano, it's it's a competition now. You know, you guys are going to go out there and you're going to battle in practice and make the best man win. Is that how you feel it's going to go?
2: yeah you know i don't really know how it's gonna go, um but like i said i'm I'm just gonna prepare the way I have been the last four years and you know the, how I have this this whole season, and I'll be ready for whatever they name whoever the starter is. Uh, I know how the run of us will be ready, but I'm just going to control what I can, and whatever Coach says goes, and, and I'll be ready whenever my t- whenever my name's called. Well,
0: it was a lot of fun to watch, and I'm sure for the guys in that locker room, we, we saw the, the video of the, the locker room, the game ball presentation the Coach Iguano. I'm sure that was a moment for everybody, one that everybody will remember and very emotional for all you guys. Congratulations. Yeah. You that too. was a lot of fun. That was a big moment for you. Thank you for spending a few minutes with us. We appreciate it. And whatever happens in a couple of weeks, we appreciate your time, okay?
2: Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks, Stratton. That's joining us on the Burns and Gambo show. ASU backup quarterback, maybe backup no longer. We'll see. We're not sure who beat Washington 45-38, who he and the Sun Devils beat Washington 45-38 over the weekend. Do want to remind you that Arizona goes primetime next week as the Suns tip off the NBA season against the Mavs, and then the Arizona Cardinals take on the New Orleans Saints for Thursday Night Football. We are giving you the chance to experience both in person. Text PRIMETIME to 620-620. Listen for your name starting next Monday for your chance to win two tickets to both games, plus one lucky winner each day will get their choice of a Devin Booker jersey or DeAndre Hopkins jersey. Again, text the word PRIMETIME to 620-620. Zach Allen, Byron Murphy, Hollywood Brown have all been balling this season. Does that mean they're all going to get paid this season? That's next. Burns and Gambo. and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports. We'll get you uh, completely caught up in the upcoming 4 o'clock reset, but I will pass along real quick. I can't stand Bregman. (laughs) You you knew what I was going to say. All the players in baseball, he's the player I like the least. You knew exactly what I was going to say. He's the one you like the least. Boy, of all the players in baseball, least... Who do I like the least? I don't like Bregman. Ooh, I have to think about that. You think I'd know off the top of my head? He'd certainly be in my top three, right? He's, e- I mean, easily in my top three. He, he just. Everything about him just kind of says punk. Uh, but he did just hit a two-run homer, and it's 7-5 Seattle in the bottom of the eighth. So uh, the Mariners hanging on right now in Game 1. Earlier today, the uh, Phils, boy, what a year for Philadelphia sports. They're up one game to none over the Atlanta Braves in that best-of-five uh, divisional and it, series. And their basketball team, a lot of people think their basketball
1: team has a legitimate shot this year.
0: Yeah, yeah, yes, a lot of people do. A lot of people think t- that they're very high on the Philadelphia 76ers with everything they've got. So, So, good year for Philly sports. Uh, I'm not sure we're enjoying it out here, but a good year for Philly sports. Again, it's 7-5 right now. The Mariners in the bottom of the eighth. We'll give you more details coming up in the uh, 4 o'clock reset. But, yeah, Alex Bregman, two-run homer to trim that lead. Later, it's Cleveland and the Yankees, San Diego, and the L.A. Dodgers. Um, The Cardinals will be back on the practice field tomorrow as they get ready for their game coming up against the Seattle Seahawks. And while the season as a whole hasn't gone the way some people had hoped, I think Record wise, they're kind of right where a lot of people thought they'd be at, but certainly if they, they win Sunday, yeah, if they win Sunday, if they're three, if they and win three. Sunday. Yeah, but I, I just mean even right now, okay. I think I, most people yeah. would have looked at it and said, yeah, two and three base uh, football team, right? I mean, that's kind right. of what we would have thought. Individually, there have been some phenomenal performances by the Cardinals, even though overall the unit hasn't done what we would hoped they would do. Um Probably none more so than Zach Allen and the way he's played so far this year. I mean, he has been great. He has been one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL with some of his numbers, uh, but it's not just him. It's Byron Murphy, who has been terrific to start the season. He has soothed a lot of the concerns about the secondary going in. It's been Hollywood Brown and the season that he's had. And, of course, you know where this conversation is going, Gambo. The conversation kind of goes to, all right, are the Cardinals going to pay those guys? You know, because those are guys that I would assume they would want to keep, all of them. Yeah, listen, you know, Steve
1: Kime gets criticized for his draft, rightfully so, on some of the picks for sure, especially with Isabella not making it. But Zach Allen in the third round, I mean, it it has been a terrific get. It's been a terrific get. I mean, good, good player at Boston College, uh, really breaking out this year. You know, you've you've got the numbers. You can look at the two sacks and say, well, but it's everything else, right? It's it's, it's the batted-down balls. It's the pressure. It's the quarterback hits. It's everything that we always talk about with a defensive lineman. Look, he's healthy this year. He's really come into his own. And at, he's a guy that you, you, you want to build around. I mean, he's young and he's talented, and you got to make sure you re-sign him. So I fully expect that they're going to keep Zach Allen.
0: Yeah, and I want to thank um, Kyle Odegaard, who used to work for the team at com, and now he works for a, a gambling website for kind of inspiring this conversation with some of his tweets today. I saw him. I took a screenshot of him and sent him to you. He points out Zach Allen is tied for 10th in the NFL with five passes defense this year. And, of course, that's very unique because he's a defensive lineman. Normally that is a number reserved for safeties or corners or people who are actually in charge of covering wide receivers in this league, typically not defensive linemen, but because he gets those mitts up there and passes them down. He's first on the team in quarterback hits. He's first on the team in passes defense. He's first on the team in tackles for loss. He's second on the team in sacks. He's fifth on the team in tackles at 21 uh, he is having a terrific year, and of course, Steve Keim with us last Friday was asked by us how important it is to lock him up.
1: Yeah, I mean, a guy who, who has had a little bit of an injury-riddled uh, start to his career, and and I think that's what you want all these players to do, is, You know, you get to a point point you're like, tell me, show me. You know, show me that we need to pay you and prove it. And uh, so far, Zach Allen has done a fantastic job and, and shown us that he can be a cornerstone of this defense, and it's been fun to see because he's used his quickness, as. Strength and he's worked his tail off this offseason. Um, you know, but at the same time, I'll, I will tell you this we, you know, we have guys getting pressure. We have to get home more, though. We have to get people home, sack the quarterback, and, uh, and, and be more disruptive in the passing game. Like
0: you mentioned the draft, and we've talked about Kimes drafts in the past you know what makes a draft look better? A draft class looks better? Second contracts make a draft class look better, right? Guys that you picked, when they get second contracts with the team, suddenly makes your draft picks look better. Zach Allen gets one. If he earns one, it seems like he's on his way to earning one. That makes your drafting history look better. If Byron Murphy gets a contract extension, that makes your draft class look better. those Those are the things you really look for when you start talking about a draft class and whether it was good or not. You know what's crazy about that
1: draft class that Andy Isabella, Hakeem Butler, and Keyshawn Johnson were in, the three wide receivers that didn't make it. The crazy thing about that, that was also the Kyler Murray, Byron Murphy, Zach Allen draft. Like, Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that is crazy. Like The draft that we criticize the most for failing to get one wide receiver who could play a damn in the NFL (laughs) netted you a franchise quarterback, we believe. Byron Murphy, who's the number one corner right now, and Zach Allen, who's been their best pass rusher.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, uh, heck, if you want to go even further than that, all right, Now, I'm not saying this, I'm not saying everything's fixed and everything's fine and everything's great, but how we Jay evaluate him? some of these draft classes, man, it's very, very fluid. Look at last year's draft class. Zaven Collins, he's out there 100% of the time. The Cardinals defense has been right. really good the last three games. Marco Wilson, he's playing 100% of the time. He got burned that first series with A.J. Brown, but then he didn't do anything it, else. Then he didn't Brown. do anything else, and he got, it, things settled down. I'm not saying Marco Wilson's perfect, but things settled down a little bit. I Isaiah Simmons, highest graded player by Pro Football Focus against the Eagles. He played really well. Rashard Lawrence, that was seen as a very important injury when they lost him. He was playing at a high level. Eno Benjamin, the only running back they could count on, was a seventh-round pick. The, how we evaluate these drafts, is very fluid, and it's almost like a week, like if all of these guys have bad games, you go, ah, oh, man, Steve Kime, he can't draft worth a lick. He's terrible at it. But then you come off a week like last week, and you look at some of these these younger players, and you go, okay, suddenly you start to see more gems in there, depending on how they performed the week before, which is probably totally unfair way to evaluate these guys, but sometimes in our brains as fans, that's how we look at it. If I'm not mistaken, I think Jalen Thompson
1: was also in that 2000 2006- the 19 draft I with Kyler, you Byron, and correct. Zach Allen, right? As a
0: supplemental draft guy. Okay, yeah, but still, like, yeah. oh, no, 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 it no, counts. no. That makes it even more impressive, right? Uh, that, that's to I me mean, the degree of difficulty of landing a player like that in a situation like that, I think is even tougher and even more impressive than doing it in a standard okay. draft. Three guys Hollywood Brown, Zach Allen, Byron Murphy. Who's the most important guy for them to resign?
1: Um, uh, you got one right now. You can resign one guy.
0: I'll go Murphy. That's where. Got have a number one corner. That's where I was going to go. That's, okay, I, that's fine. I, that's that's. I mean, I was thinking. I was thinking him or or Hollywood. Um, just because I I don't think you can trade a number one pick, a first round pick, for Hollywood Brown and not resign the guy. That that makes it very important. Thank goodness he's justifying that. He's been that. great. He's been great. He's been fantastic. I I tend to go by premium position more than anything, and I would say Murphy. But then here's Zach Allen. And he's playing that defensive line position like almost like a premium position edge rusher with the like numbers. With Dolph that he's putting up. Yeah, right. Like exactly. Like so like that's he's he, he might not be a premium position, but it's a premium need, putting pressure on the quarterback. Those are two cornerback and, and edge rusher, those are two of the most important things you can have on your roster. But I would say Murphy by a nose. That's a really tough question though. Yeah. Oh,
1: look, they, here's the thing. I mean, they can't lose either one of those guys. No, they, they can't. Like you can't. You can't. can't. Like you, you, Hassan Reddick would be nice here. He's playing for somebody else and doing a good job. You got two young players that you you got to you got to keep them. Yep. Like whatever you do, you have to keep them. Well, and if, if the if, market says this is what they're worth, then you got to pay them what they're worth.
0: Yeah, if you want to include Hollywood Brown in the conversation, you have to keep him too. I, I mean, it's, it's just it's not negotiable type stuff. You don't you don't if they keep playing at this level, they must be paid, they must be kept, they must be retained, no matter what the you, you just have to do it. Yeah, that that's that's how you build the great teams. You draft, you develop, and you keep the ones who are good. And so far, those two guys, three, if you want to hit zoom out and include Hollywood Brown, demand to be kept at this point by the car. Without question. No,
1: there's, there's the, those guys have been fantastic. And it gets overlooked a little bit, right? Because all that money is invested on the offense. Well, you're going to have some money invested in the defense because Murphy and Allen aren't
0: going to come cheap. Yep. Just announced, Dead and Company will be heading to Auction Pavilion May 23rd for their last tour. Tickets go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m. You can win a pair now by visiting ArizonaSports.com. The Cardinals stayed busy today despite not practicing. And it's been a real good start to the baseball quadruple header today we're going to get you caught up on everything going on in sports four o'clock reset is next here on burns and gamble